This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Did you know that sweet potatoes and yams are not the same thing? Not even biologically close. But then why are sweet potatoes often labeled as yams in American stores? If you're craving answers about your favorite foods, download the Specialty Produce app and feast on the rich history, culture, and culinary applications of over 3,000 produce items. Stay hungry, friends. Download today on Apple or Android and start exploring. Hi there, and welcome to the Living Local with Edible San Diego podcast. My name is Katie Stokes, and as publisher of Edible San Diego, I wanted to welcome you to a new and important conversation. San Diego County really is a global crossroads, and when you think about it, it's true all the way down to even our very own bodies. In this podcast, we're going to take this concept of we are what we eat, and we're going to unpack it together. We're going to look at what local is, how it works, why it matters. My goal is to create a conversation which is inclusive, dynamic, and one that enriches our everyday life. So I wanted to welcome you to this new conversation, Living Local with Edible San Diego, and to thank Specialty Produce for producing this podcast. This is Katie Stokes, publisher of Edible San Diego, and we're so glad you're here for today's podcast episode, all about living local with Edible San Diego. Today, we're going to be talking about farming across the country, about women farmers, and a really exciting conference that's taking place in January. This whole episode is going to be exploring an organization called the National Farmers Union and how that relates to those of us here in San Diego County who either live here or farm here. I was really touched by the the website of the National Farmers Union and how they describe their mission, which is that the National Farmers Union believes that good opportunities in production agriculture are the foundation of strong farm and ranch families, which are the basis for thriving rural economies. Vibrant rural communities, in turn, are vital to the health, security, and economic well-being of our entire national economy. So I know here with Edible San Diego, we think about these local, national, global connections all the time, and I'm just really excited to introduce to you our two guests for today's podcast. The first is Patty Edelberg, who is the Vice President for the Nationals Farmers Union. Patty is a dairy farmer in central Wisconsin with 120 cows and 350 acres of corn and alfalfa. Patty has served or currently serves on numerous state and local boards and committees, mostly relating to agriculture, but she emphasizes that her family is the most important thing. Emma Lindbergh is the education coordinator for the National Farmers Union in Washington, D.C. In this position, Emma assists with the planning, scheduling, and implementation of youth and education programs on a national level. These programs include general farm education and cooperative education events, both online and in person. Patty and Emma, welcome to both of you. Hi, Katie. Thank you. And I appreciate that you're calling in so that we can do this conversation from afar. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Patty, um, do you have any uh, any introductory uh, details that you'd like to share with our listeners before we dive into our conversation? Sure. I can talk just a little bit briefly more about the National Farmers Union and our organization and what we do. Great. Um, 
We are a general farm organization. We represent close to 200,000 farm families across the entire U.S. We're organized in 33 states, but have members in probably all of them. Um, and our main focuses are on, on local, state, and federal legislation. Each state has a, that has an organization does a lot of local and state policy. Uh, at the federal level, we do obviously do a lot of work with the Farm Bill and aid legislation in Washington, D.C. We also focus on cooperation and education uh, and largely working to keep family farmers farming across the country. Nice. Nice. And um, give us just a little teeny bit of history with the, with the National Farmers Union. I was intrigued to, to learn how, how far back it goes. In 1902, it started back in Point, Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. A group of uh, individuals were looking to um, have conversations on uh, policies and legislation and, and starting co-ops, things that uh, weren't working for farmers in the t- at the time. So they started an organization where they could have a larger voice rather than by themselves. Right. Right. And then, and then bringing this kind of, you know, essential cooperative work forward to 2019, almost 2020. Patty, what would you say are the most urgent challenges facing farmers in general, but women farmers in particular? That's the subject of the, of the January conference. What, what are the most urgent challenges facing women farmers across the country today? Sure. Well, women face most of the same challenges that men face when it comes to farming. Well, there's low commodity prices, unpredictable weather, uh, volatile export markets. Our export markets have been uh, really strange these last few years, especially uh, with the focus on trade and uh, the uh, tariffs and everything with the with China. And there's just a lot of different policy things when it comes to export markets and trade right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also social, social um, isolation, uh, physical injuries, and all things that everybody faces. But when it comes to women, there's, there's other challenges as well. Um, right now, there's only about 36% of producers identified as, as women. That was actually out of the census from 2017. Mm-hmm. But uh, other challenges that women face alone, uh, succession planning is one. Women are often excluded from the idea of succession planning when taking over a family farm. Uh, it often goes to a brother or another male relative. Uh, women aren't necessarily uh, the first in line or even the sometimes passed over um, or the operations are sold before women are have, have the chance to take over an operation. Hmm. Um, access to credit is another issue. Women are not often taken as seriously when you go to a bank or other institutions to uh, to get loans to to farm. And obviously most farming operations are extremely capital intensive. So you need a lot more uh, capital investment, cash, uh, loans, grants, whatever you can get. Um, and so, so women aren't always taken as seriously when it comes to um, being able to get loans and, and banks. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that we don't often think about though, like size appropriate workwear, um, machinery and tools are often much larger and heavier for women and then can't always handle them. They're usually made much more for men than they are for women. Mm-hmm. So and there are there are machinery and there are different um, things out there for women to use that are specifically made for women, mm-hmm. but they're usually much more expensive and usually not as easy, as easy to find. Um, one of the other things, if you think about it, is, is women are often mothers, um, are considered the child raisers. So how do they... How do they manage the workload between running a farm um, and raising a family? Um, 
And there's not a lot of community. Women don't have the same uh, peers that they can talk to as as, as men do. Mm-hmm. Uh, men often are considered, you know, especially let's just say middle-aged white men mm-hmm. are the are the norm for farmers. And so when women get into farming, uh, there's not always the, the idea or the the relationships that they can forge with other women because they're not necessarily all in the same community. So those are some of the the big ones that women face the challenges that women face across country. That is so, that is so compelling, Patty. I, I'm thinking of, of some of the, the overlapping connections that women face in other lines of work, you know, uh, around the world and, and uh, in all different kinds of, of sectors. But, and we'll talk about the conference in a minute, but um, I'm intrigued with this idea of the importance of a support network for, for women farmers. And that's part of what the National Farmers Union does for its members, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think right now, uh, farming itself is a major, major stressful uh, occupation. I mean, we're seeing a lot more suicides and a lot more mental health issues when it mm-hmm. comes to uh, when it comes to farmers, farmers in general. And you look at women, and I don't think people make the connection either because they're the social isolation. Excuse me, mm-hmm. the social isolation is uh, <laughs> is much more compelling for. Uh, women, because there's not nearly as many women out there to, to have the conversations with. Right. So and that's one of the biggest strains that we have to continue to look at. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so true for all of us, and and I can see how that would be especially true if you're out, you know, on on a, a big piece of land out, you know, out in the elements, uh, you know, uh, trying to bring it all together. That's, thank you so much for sharing that. And I wanted to ask, you know, what what can uh, city dwellers and 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 women and people who aren't farmers do to help? One of the biggest things, especially. Especially in the San Diego area, if you look at uh, the, the farmers in the San Diego area are very local. They do a lot of um, direct market, uh, a lot of agritourism, uh, direct consumer sales, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So, and I think obviously one of the biggest things you want to do is, is buy local. Mm-hmm. People can can buy local from from at farmers markets. Um, uh, Communities-supported uh, agriculture, CSA growers, uh, that's one of the biggest things that you can do, especially in the San Diego area, is buy directly from your farmers. But there's so many farmers, um, not necessarily in the San Diego area, but maybe even so in the San Diego area, that don't or can't sell directly to consumers. Mm-hmm. A lot of commodity growers don't have the same means to sell directly to consumers as as vegetable growers or as uh, small um, small farmers. You know the niche farmers. Right. So a lot of times people are going to have to start. You know we always say vote with your fork. You know buy local. You know decide who you want to buy from and, and what you want to eat. But you also have to um, vote with your vote. You vote for candidates who support policies that improve the food and farm systems. Right. So you have to know a lot of it comes down to policy and, and legislation and know who you're voting for and know what they're know what they're voting for right. in so many different areas. Yeah, that's so true. And it's a big part of our mission here with Edible San Diego. And in fact, all of the 80 plus edible media companies around North America to, to be telling these stories and providing this information precisely to, to inform people like what you're talking about, Patty, that it's really a very, obviously a very globalized economy. And we now see how, how dramatically the weather and our, our natural systems are changing um, as our global climate is responding to, uh, you know, uh, all of these uh, all of these changes that we're seeing, and so. I, I, I want to really affirm, you know, and, and assure you that, you know, uh, you, there's a very large family of, of people that are working hard with all the different edibles to, to, uh, 
gather and share information ab- ab- about how all of this is so very interconnected, whether it's that moment when we're, we're um, shopping for, you know, fruits and vegetables, or maybe we uh, were shopping online for things and, and are able to purchase um, perhaps items that aren't technically local in a strict uh, definition of, you know, how, how many miles from where I'm sitting, but but maybe um, maybe we can make purchases from some farmers who are able to sell um, <clears throat> items that they've you know uh, manufactured or processed um, and uh, and support their business. You know whether it's gosh artisan grains or preserves or meats or et cetera. Right? I mean, there's <clears throat> there's different ways for people to to economically support farmers who who are doing this essential local work all over the country and all over the world as well as this this broader and deeper uh project to to learn right to understand more about about all of the the forces that that farmers are you know dealing with and 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 all of us when we we go to eat every day hopefully we're you know we're we are voting with our fork. You know, we're we're making decisions, and and what we choose to buy and eat has has very profound effects, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And like you said, there's a lot of a lot of times you can't buy local. There's different uh, what you need may not be offered from a local farmer. Mm-hmm. But um, look for the family farmer that's that's growing it someplace in the U.S. Whether it's coming out of Texas or out of uh, Colorado, you know, but at least it's coming from a family farmer someplace in the U.S. rather than buying it from uh, large corporate farms, you know, somewhere else in the world. Right. Because that farmer in Idaho or Texas or Oregon or South Carolina knows their local place best, right? They know the soil, they know the weather, they know their neighbors, they know the, you know, the, uh, the native, uh, uh, the native plants and animals that are nearby and the, the biodiversity there. So, so, you know, I think about this a lot, you know, local, local is a, is a big theme for us here with edible and all the edibles. Um, but we're all global citizens as well. So these are the kinds of things that will help us make more informed decisions. So I, I really want to thank you, um, Patty, for helping us, uh, add some, some, you know, more substance to this this process. Um, Emma, I wonder if we might switch gears a little bit and talk about the conference that's coming up in, in mid-January here in San Diego County. The National Farmers Union is is holding a conference here, and uh, we want to invite both women farmers and, and farmers and, and the general public to the conference. So tell us all about it. Sure. So the conference is going to be January 19th through 21 at the Catamaran Hotel in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And not only does our women's conference offer sessions and workshops, it provides attendees with their own network of women farmers and ranchers they can reach out to throughout the year. So increasing that community that Patty was talking about earlier. In fact, I was just talking to a woman earlier today who attended our conference last year, and she'll be flying from Wisconsin to Hawaii to re-meet a bunch of the people she met at last year's conference, women she connected with and continue to grow that connection with throughout the year. So it's a great place to come and meet other female farmers and just increase that community. That's wonderful. But, and tell me, how is it that you came to to uh, locate the conference in San Diego? I actually inherited it that way. We've been doing it that way for a really long time. And you know what? We have a lot of people coming from the Midwest every year that love coming to San Diego in January. So <laughs> I doubt we'll be changing that. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I just had a guest on the, the pre, uh, prior uh, recording uh, talking about the tourism industry here in San Diego. And I, I know that, that there's a, that uh, you know, with this time of the year, the winter, that um, San Diego offers a lot of amenities with, with the location and the weather. So that's awesome. 
was going to say, a lot of our attendees show up and talk about how many inches of snow or feet of snow they're dealing with back home. So see the ocean <laughs> is really nice. Oh, that's that's great. Well, Emma, would you give us a little bit more of a feel of some of the kinds of sessions that you offer for women farmers here in San Diego County? Because we really do hope to to let everyone know locally. Certainly with Edible, we're going to be telling as many people as we can about the conference. It's such a, an opportunity for people to tap into that network, as you described. So uh, help us know a little bit more about the kind of sessions that you're going to be offering. We are hosting a variety of sessions. One session that I think everybody can benefit from is going to be led by the Women, Food, and Ag Network, and that is a training on developing your leadership skills. And people who are leading this network or leading this session, excuse me, have run for office themselves on a national level. So they have a bunch of really great tips and tricks for anybody who's interested in running for office, even down at the local level. Wow. But um, our education sessions this year will help attendees also strengthen their business operations and business health. So as Patty mentioned, it's hard for female farmers to get access to credit. So we're hosting a session on financing considerations. We'll also be hearing from experts about creating a legally resilient worker employee program, structuring a farm or ranch business, and a ton of other great business health opportunities like that. And we'll be hosting a keynote session with Colorado Commissioner of Ag, Kate Greenberg, and Oregon Director of Agriculture, Alexis Taylor, two women who are very high in leadership positions in the agriculture world, talking about their experiences and just connecting with our members. Oh my gosh, this sounds so exciting. It's really, what a wonderful gathering of talent and inspiration and resources. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited. We're, I'm going to be telling everyone I can about this conference. It's it's um, you know it's it's such an opportunity for farmers and women farmers who are here in San Diego County that that you all are bringing this kind of opportunity, you know, to our backyard. So uh, so mm-hmm. so we're very excited about this. Great. Yeah, we hope people can attend, and uh, you can definitely learn more on our website, nfu.org slash women's conference. nfu.org slash women's conference. Fantastic. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add, Patty, to our story about about farming nationally, being a woman farmer nationally, and and coming together in January to, to kind of strengthen that network and support group? No, you know, I think it's just great that, that- – we're starting to see a lot more women uh, stepping into these roles and having conferences like this to offer them the community and the support and just the conversation between each other is just an amazing thing. So I'm really excited the National Farmers Union is offering this again this year. Wow. Well, thank you for all of your work every day of the year. And uh, I hope that we'll be able to be in frequent touches as you get ready to to kick off the conference in January and count on Edible San Diego as a partner in, in all the work you do because we're pulling in the same direction and, and uh, we, we see the urgency, we see the goodness in it, and we're, we're here to help. So um, thank you both uh, for joining us today, Patty Edelberg and Emma Lindberg with the National Farmers Union. I appreciate your time, and I look forward to being in touch and working together with you both. Great. Thank you. All right, everybody. I wanted to end today's podcast with a little cooking tip, like I like to include with the podcast Maybe especially because it's uh, winter time, um, a lot of us are are thinking about warm and cozy things to eat. But I wanted to offer uh, an, um, perhaps a new idea. It's the idea of using your freezer proactively for broth. All right, that might sound kind of crazy, but but bear with me. A lot of people are talking about bone broth nowadays for the nutritional benefits that it offers with micronutrients and collagen, for the economic value that it offers us as 
folks, you know, cooking at home and the opportunity it offers to reduce food waste. Others who don't eat meat or who might not care to work with bones might enjoy making soup stock with vegetables. Well, what both of these kinds of warm, nourishing liquids offer us is options in the kitchen. It's winter in Southern California now, so our thoughts do turn to soup for dinner. But I want to invite you to think about making broth, whether it's made from bones, vegetables, or both, as an easy, nutritious, and economical element in your kitchen all year long. And it's not only for dinner. People rave about how satisfying they find it is to drink broth for breakfast or a light lunch, and I want to encourage you to try that. Now, I know we're all busy, as we've been discussing today with Patty and Emma, and we can all come up with a lot of reasons why we feel like we don't have time or that we just don't feel like cooking meals at home. On other episodes of this podcast, I've encouraged everybody to try cooking in batches when you do cook so that all at once you make food that can comprise several meals. We used to call those leftovers, right? And I also always encourage you to buy foods that come from your local region, um, in our case, San Diego County, as, as Patty mentioned. And if you're buying fruits and vegetables at your local farmer's market, you know that it's in season and that that money is going into the pocket of those farmers. And maybe you might even be able to grow a little bit of your own fruit or herbs or vegetables um, outside your kitchen door or in your backyard. Here's where all of this comes together. When you carve out a few minutes in the kitchen, I want to invite you to make some broth. It's really simple and easy, and there are tons of recipes and tips online. Here's the simple version. You roast some bones or grab some veggies and toss them into a pot, a crock pot, or an Instapot. And soon you will be enjoying some delicious broth for a meal, either all by itself or with some other goodies in it. I want to encourage you to take some and put some in a glass jar and keep it in the fridge. Label it with some uh, masking tape and a Sharpie and use that instead of water when you cook. Also, you can freeze the rest of that to preserve the nutrients and have it ready to use in the future. So all of this is on the prep side. I also want to invite you to try something else that will close the loop here. It enables you to buy fresh produce or meat when you have the time or when it's available and make batches of nutritious broth that you can use in countless ways. As you cook in the kitchen, whenever that may be, grab an airtight container and put into it any vegetable cuttings or cooked bones from your meals and put it in the freezer. Add more veggies or bones throughout the week or weeks until you notice that you have a nice amount to make a new batch of broth. With this method, you don't have to shop to make new broth. You already have the ingredients in your freezer. You're saving money, reducing food waste, and landfill capacity. You're using your time effectively and making it more likely that you can creatively cook a nutritious meal at home that will satisfy your heart and your tummy. So give it a try and let me know what you find. Okay, everybody, that's it for today. I want to thank Specialty Produce for producing this podcast. I want to thank our guests again and invite you to check out ediblesandiego.com. We have amazing resources on our website, social media, a monthly newsletter, our beautiful magazine, and events. So thank you so much, and we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.